Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Econ Internal Medicine Podcast. My name is Rithika, and I'm a current PGY1. We're back with a second episode of the Intern Survival Series, where we try to teach our newest and brightest how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. That being said, let's discuss a task you'll do on a regular basis in all settings. Presentations. In case your clinical experience was cut short by the pandemic, or you're learning how to do this for the first time, keep listening. Presentations are the cornerstone of communication in medicine. It's done on rounds, when consulting a specialist, when transferring a patient, to name a few situations. It's crucial to sharpen the skill of being concise but informative to make sure the listener has all the vital information to make accurate medical decisions. The presentation you deliver will differ based on floors versus ICU versus outpatient, but most of the central tenants remain the same. This also applies to HMPs versus regular progress presentations. This episode will be focused on floor presentations, but stay tuned for future episodes on explanations of the others. Disclaimer before we go any further. Certain attendings have specific preferences of their presentations. Use the information today as the foundation upon which you can tailor your presentations to their style. And as always, I'll provide examples at the end of the episode to solidify the main points. So let's begin. Most presentations are delivered in the SOAP format, which stands for Subjective, Objective, Assessment, and Plan. Subjective. This is the portion which encompasses the patient's experience. In an HNP, this will include their history of presenting illness, or HPI, and review of systems. As an aside, the HPI will contain the patient's chief complaint, details of their symptoms, such as OPQRST for concerns of pain, their associated symptoms, pertinent positives and negatives, and relevant social history, including occupation, functional status, support system, alcohol and tobacco consumption, or illicit drug use. In your daily progress presentations, this will include overnight events and any complaints or symptoms the patient is experiencing the morning of. Objective. This is the portion with all the data. What are their vitals, physical exam, labs, imaging, micro, etc. This section is what takes the most time when pre-charting in the morning. In an HNP, you'll need to include the patient's ED course, which contains their vitals, notable physical exam findings, labs and imaging. Some attendings will dislike the ED course, and it's better to always ask their preference on the first day as you present your first patient. When presenting the objective data, make every effort to just report the data and leave any interpretation or diagnostic impressions for your assessment and plan. This portion is nearly identical between an HNP and regular floor presentation, with the exception of an ED course in the former. Assessment. This portion demonstrates your understanding of the case and what the patient is here for. In medical school, we're taught that it needs to be a one-liner, including the patient's reason for hospitalization, active issues, and complications. In reality, not many people present this at the beginning of the assessment section because it's broken into a more problem-based method later on, wherein you explain what evidence, such as the symptoms and objective, justify a certain diagnosis. Sometimes this is provided at the beginning of the presentation on rounds to remind everyone of the patient's active issues. But again, play it by ear and see what the attending and the rest of the team prefer. Plan. This is the natural follow-up to the assessment portion, wherein you list what will be done for the patient's multiple medical problems. On the floors, this is done problem-based as opposed to systems-based, but more on that later. This section will include the patient's active hospital issues going from most active or relevant to the least, in addition to their chronic conditions you're managing inpatient, such as their diabetes or hypertension. This is also the part of the presentation where you get to explain your thought process behind the diagnosis, where you should also include differentials and cannot miss diagnoses. So without further ado, let's get into some examples of an HNP versus regular progress presentations. We'll start off with our HNP first. 
Severus Snape is a 77-year-old male with a past medical history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, type 2 diabetes, and BPH who presents to the ED with frequent falls. The patient states that he has experienced many falls within the past two to four days preceded by lightheadedness, notably when changing from a seated to standing position. He confirms hitting his head but is unsure of the frequency and reports that many of his falls are unwitnessed. The patient appeared easily confused during the interview and was not redirectable. His wife was at bedside and stated that his current complaint was preceded by dysuria and low-grade subjective fever responsive to Tylenol. He has also become increasingly disoriented during this time and has had decreased PO intake. Per chart review, the patient presented with similar symptoms in the past two years for which he was admitted for sepsis secondary to UTI. He was in his usual state of health prior to this episode and he follows with urology for BPH. The patient lives at home with his wife and is functional with all ADLs. He denies alcohol or tobacco consumption and recreational drug use. Review of systems was limited by the patient's participation in the interview. On examination, he was ANO times 2 and easily confused with repeated questioning. Vitals in the ED were significant for hypotension of 102 by 48, tachycardia in the 120s, and a Tmax of 101.4. On physical exam, he was lying comfortably in bed, no acute distress, ANO times 2. His pupils were equal and responsive, his EOMs were intact, and he had dry mucous membranes. His pulse was tachycardic but regular, and his heart sounds were normal. His belly was soft, with no tenderness to palpation or hepatosplenomegaly or suprapubic tenderness to palpation. No appreciable edema of his bilateral lower extremities with full range of motion, and he was able to move all four extremities spontaneously. Labs were notable for an elevated BUN creatinine of 94 by 5.4, bicarb of 19, leukocytosis of 13.5, and a UA revealing of pyuria and bacteria with greater than 500 WBCs and large leukocyte esterase. His trauma workup on admission was negative for any acute fractures or dislocation, as seen on CT cervical and thoracic spine, and CT head showed no acute intracranial processes. His chest x-ray showed streaky bilateral peribronchiovascular opacity suggestive of mild pulmonary edema versus atypical infection, and the patient's BP improved to 110 by 60 after fluid resuscitation. So for assessment and plan, this is a 77-year-old male with a history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, type 2 diabetes, and BPH, who came to the ED after frequent falls and will be admitted to medicine for management of acute metabolic encephalopathy, SIRS or sepsis, and AKI. So for his sepsis secondary to UTI, the symptoms preceding his presentation were significant for dysuria and subjective fever. His lab showed leukocytosis with neutrophilic predominance, bacteria, and pyuria, and his vitals were notable for hypotension and tachycardia, which was fluid responsive. His test x-ray showed potential source of an infection with streaky peribronchovascular opacities, but the patient denied any respiratory symptoms. His current presentation is likely secondary to a UTI, but other differentials will include post-obstructive UTI, pyelonephritis, obstructive nephrolithiasis, among others. Given this, we're going to require additional imaging to assess these conditions. So we'll start the patient on ceftriaxone, we'll follow up on a CT chest abdomen pelvis, and blood cultures, urine cultures, and sputum cultures. For his AKI and anagat metabolic acidosis, his baseline creatinine is 1.2, and he presented with an elevation to 5.4 and BUN of 94. His other labs were notable for a bicarb of 19, likely secondary to his uremic state. Thought right now that his AKI is pre-renal in etiology in the setting of his fluid-responsive hypotension, but we'll assess for other causes such as obstructive nephropathy with imaging studies. And bladder scans thus far have shown no retention. So we'll start the patient on maintenance fluids of normal saline 100 mL per hour. We'll follow up a CK to rule out rhabdo. We'll check urine studies, monitor his daily BMP, monitor his urine output and Q6 bladder scans and avoid nephrotoxic meds, renally dose meds, 
And if his renal function doesn't improve with IVF, we can consult nephrology given the severity of his AKI. So for the patient's altered mental status and acute metabolic encephalopathy, as mentioned, his presenting symptoms were significant for recurrent falls, which was preceded by dysuria. He was found to be tachycardic, hypotensive, with marked leukocytosis and uremia. CT head didn't show any acute findings and his trauma panel is negative, so it's likely that his current presentation is secondary to acute metabolic encephalopathy in the setting of uremia and sepsis secondary to UTI. So we'll follow up on an ABG for any signs of hypercarbia, hypoxia, or any other acid-based disorders. We'll follow up on a UTOX and continue to watch his mental status and treat the two driving issues such as the uremia and sepsis. So for the patient's diabetes, his most recent A1C was 8.9 and his home regimen includes metformin 1000 BID. So for the time, we'll hold his metformin secondary to his AKI. We'll put him on a low-intensity sliding scale and watch his finger sticks. For his hypertension, the patient's home meds include amlodipine 10 and lisinopril 20. We'll hold both of them in the setting of sepsis and his AKI. For hypolipidemia, we'll continue with the patient on his home atorvastatin. And for his BPH, we'll continue him on his home Flomax, monitoring his BPs closely. So now we'll move on to our progress presentations. Subjective. The patient remained disoriented last night, becoming agitated, eventually requiring restraints. He was ANO times 1 on my exam and would not cooperate and answer any of my questions. His physical exam remains largely unchanged from prior. Um, his heart and lungs sound clear, his belly soft, there's no edema of his lower extremities, and his foley is putting out dark, orange-brown urine. His vitals are significant for a Tmax of 100.4, his BPs are in the low 1-teens by 60s, and his heart rates are in the low 100s. Labs this morning were significant for BUN creatinine of 105.6, bicarb of 18, and a leukocytosis of 14. His CT abdomen pelvis showed a 9mm stone within the left distal ureter and mild hydronephrosis. And the patient's ABG, UTOX, and CK were within normal limits. So going to the assessment, this is our 77-year-old male admitted here for acute metabolic encephalopathy and AKI, likely secondary to obstructive uropathy. So for the sepsis secondary to complicated UTI, as mentioned earlier, the CT abdomen pelvis showed the 9mm stone in his left distal ureter with the associated hydronephrosis. The patient's blood pressure is stable on the maintenance fluids, and he's still mildly tachycardic. So for the time being, we'll continue him on a ceftriaxone um, and then follow up on the blood and urine cultures. So for the patient's AKI and agma secondary to uremia, Etiology of his AKI is likely postrenal given his obstructive nephrolithiasis as seen on the CT abdomen pelvis and the resistant uremia and elevated creatinine of 5.6 despite adequate fluid resuscitation. So we'll continue the patient on their maintenance fluids and we'll consult urology for a left ureteral stent. So for the patient's altered mental status and acute metabolic encephalopathy, it's largely being driven by his uremia secondary to his obstructive uropathy and sepsis in the setting of complicated UTI. So we'll just continue to monitor his mental status, redirect as appropriate, and manage his sepsis and obstructive uropathy. Otherwise, we'll continue to hold the patient's metformin and antihypertensives in the setting of the sepsis and AKI, and we'll continue the patient on his home Flomax, especially given the findings on CT abdomen and pelvis. So, on to some pearls. Keep subjective subjective. It's so common and easy to bring in labs and imaging into the subjective portion, but it detracts from the subjective nature of the history and contributes to anchoring. Similarly, keep objective objective. It becomes very tempting to interpret lab values and morph into an assessment and plan when reporting daily labs, but doing so will make the presentation disorganized and difficult to follow. It's best to wait until the end to tie everything together and interpret the findings in your assessment and plan. Your natural inclination will be to discuss the labs right after the vitals, but some attendings heavily prefer the physical exam before that, so play it by ear and see what works. Speaking of labs, here are two tips. 
For HNPs, always know the patient's baseline values when presenting the ED findings. This is especially true for their creatinine if they're coming in with an AKI or an HNH if they're coming in with a suspected GI bleed. Baselines are very important because they tell us exactly how far off the patient is from their usual state of health. When presenting labs during the progress presentations, try to mention the trend as you read out the values, such as the white count increased to 13.5 from 10.8 yesterday. Also, read the room. If there's a patient who's been on the team for many days whom everyone knows, there's no need to mention that you didn't hear any rubs, gallops, or murmurs on the physical exam unless it's pertinent to their active issue. In the first couple of weeks, you'll likely overshare, but eventually, you'll feel confident keeping things brief. That said, always perform a comprehensive physical exam to make sure there's nothing to present. And finally, some attendings don't like problems to be grouped together, but rather discussed separately. So for example, acute metabolic encephalopathy and the sepsis secondary to UTI, even though they're all interconnected. You'll get a feeling of what's best after you do it one time, but it's always okay to ask their preference as well. So just some parting advice. Remember that every time you're presenting, you're telling a story. The subjective symptoms and objective data come together to create a clinical constellation, which is actionable. Sometimes patients are complicated, and it's difficult to get a clear picture of what you're managing in the beginning. But once the dust settles, you'll see how certain hospital courses pan out. A lot of medicine is pattern recognition, so with practice, you'll be able to detect relevant things to investigate and present based on the reason the patient's here. That's all I have for you today. Stay curious, and until next time.